all curves and plastic. Monsanto's House of the Future is open to the public at Disneyland. Welcome back to a new episode of the Carousel Project. This week we are talking about what I think might be our weirdest project look back yet. I am so, so excited to share all the information that we found. But first, a little bit about us. I am Kate. So a little backstory. We've decided that we're going to try to give like a fun fact every week so you guys can get to know us a little better. Um, One thing about me when it comes to Disney parks, I have this weird obsession with when I ride an attraction that I know used to be something else. I have to try to find that little piece that will remind me of the old attraction. So if you're on the people mover and you're going through the part with Buzz Lightyear, um, Space Ranger spin, I'm thinking about the fact that Delta Dream Flights used to be there and you used to look through those windows into Delta Dream Flights instead of Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin. What a woman. (laughs) My name is Josie and I am obsessed with the weirdest partnerships that Disney has ever done apparently because that is what I think we're talking about today. We are talking about today Disney's partnership with Monsanto, specifically Monsanto House of the Future, but we will be talking about a little bit of everything that they did with the Monsanto team. And I just need to say, this was Josie's idea, and at first I was like, okay, yeah, but I had a really fun time researching this project. It was you a did? really good idea, girl. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> I actually have a little fun backstory on how I got this idea. So okay. I am someone who has a background in food. Um, and so Monsanto is known in the past few years um, Mm -hmm. for their connection to genetically modified crops. And so I knew about them from my background in food. And then one day when I was working at Club 33 in our location in Epcot, I was in our break room and we had a book of of Disney history and I was looking through it and I saw this Monsanto house of the future and I was like oh my gosh that is the craziest partnership I have ever heard of. Um, For those of you who don't know Monsanto is pretty widely known as one of the most evil corporations in all of American history. They were founded in 1901 Throughout this, we will go through a little bit of um, what they've done throughout history and and, and how they stumbled upon their partnership with Disney. Um, But when I saw that, that's when I first really got interested in learning more about the Monsanto House of the Future. And then I kind of had put it off for years and it had been kind of like a Disney attraction that I always wanted to know more about. So when Kate and I started working on this podcast and knew we were going to be talking about not only Disney history, but also Disney history through partnerships and marketing marketing and we knew that this was going to I knew that this was going to be a really fun one to dive into and as someone without a food background and really doesn't know Monsanto from anybody else um, when I first heard about the idea I immediately thought back to an attraction from Epcot that I will talk about later um, similar idea with futuristic I'm so houses. excited I was so, hoping you would have yeah. information on yeah, that yeah, yeah. I have like the tiniest <laughs> little bit but I was hoping you would have information on that I so I'm, it, I'm gonna dive I know I wish I got to but I'm gonna dive in to um, mm-hmm. the Monsanto house of the future I don't even know where to begin guys I am so excited there is I thought I was gonna start researching and have to say to Kate like hey we need to pick a different topic like there's not enough and now I honestly think I could I could start a new podcast on the Monsanto Disney partnership wow Wow. I know I'm leaving you um no So the Monsanto House of the Future was located in Tomorrowland from June 1957 to 1967. And the house represented a home from the future the year 1986, which I think is so funny that this home was supposed to be like, you know, 30 years into the future. It was representing the 80s, which I think is really cool to keep in mind as we go through um, the rest of this podcast. So five to 10,000 people per day would go through this exhibit that was sponsored by Monsanto which is crazy in the 10 year span that it was in Disneyland 20 million people visited this attraction um if we're looking for where it is now I was just gonna say Kate this is like perfect for you do you know the location in Disneyland do you want to share that now so people can kind of visualize throughout the rest of the podcast I wanted to save this till the end, but I will, but I'll tell, I'll tell you a little bit. So it's located where Pixie Hollow is now in Mm -hmm. Disneyland. Um, 
in and inside of pixie holly you can actually still see the remnants a little bit of the remnants of the foundation i want to go look for that which is why i want to talk about <laughs> it at the so end cool. because apparently it had a terrible demolition yes process. we will definitely talk about so, that and okay. i think but i just wanted people to be able to kind of visualize as we're going through this i think it's yeah. really cool like it was representing 1986 even though this was you know an attraction that was there in the 50s and 60s and yes it is where um Pixie Hollow Pixie is in Hollow. Disneyland now. Um, so Tomorrowland was about the future, but it was designed through the lens of the 50s and that aesthetic, which we still kind of see today. And that's always been like oh, in yeah. a very interesting juxtaposition of Tomorrowland. Some people hate it. I really love it. But that definitely was at play with this attraction, which I think is yeah. even more interesting because it was designed with that lens and with that Tomorrowland feel of the 50s but again was representing the 80s so of course when you look at this house now you're like that is nothing like what the 80s looked like girl um yeah so I think that was really cool before I even got into any research the first thing I did was watch like just a video no video with voiceover from another um vlogger or anything I just watched a video of them going through this house and it looked like it was a promotional video um it probably was. Of the property. It definitely was a promotional video of the property and of what this house looked like. But right away, I was like, holy crap, it's all plastic. And then as yes. I did research, I found that, yes, that was the point is that this was a plastic house, which I didn't know that. Like in all the times I've Me seen either. what it's looked like, I didn't know that. So that was really cool to learn. But basically, they had advanced lighting options kind of we have beyond that today like we can change the colors of light bulbs and the strength of how bright our light is and things like that they had that in the houses which you know that was beyond what they had at the time yeah it was so funny that they mentioned they had plastic plates and plastic cups and again that was the first time I was like why do they keep mentioning plastic um but it was they had like everything in this house was plastic there were 14 different kinds of plastic um inside and like the building of the house down to like the fibers of fabric had plastic Mm -hmm. in them um they had these cold zones instead of fridges did you see those um, are you talking about where it would like slide out of the ceiling? Yes. The retractable yes, stuff? Yes, they were called yeah, cold no, I, zones. Yeah, the retractable hanging cold zone refrigeration system. Yes. Yeah, which is not a thing. No, we don't have that. <laughs> um, climate control was very ahead of its time, almost like we have a panel for air conditioning and now we can do mm-hmm. it from our phones. And so that was really ahead of its time at the time. And we do have something like it sort of. I thought it was so funny. The one feature they had that we do not have in our homes today is that they could have different scents piped into different rooms of the house Hmm. from their like climate control unit, which of course we don't have today. But I think knowing that Disney does that, it's so funny that like they thought it was going to be in homes one day. Oh, yeah. No, that's immediately where my mind went when I saw that technology. I was like, we don't have that in our homes, but that's definitely all over Disney. And I wonder if it was at the time. I couldn't find any details that nitty gritty, but I'm sure sure it was. I feel like if they eventually. Yeah. And and some of the it's hard because some of the features in the home, like it was just for show. They didn't really work. Mm -hmm. Um, So they had a flat screen TV, which, of course, we have flat screen TVs, but it didn't work. It was just there showing like what it could look like. Um, Yeah. I also loved that they had like built-in phones around the house and one of the features was they had this built-in phone that had like a screen that would go to the front door so you could see who was at your front door and talk to them through an intercom and they can talk back but they couldn't see you which we kind of do have now if you have like a ring. Yeah. You can see who's at your front Most door. Most people and, have that now. Yeah, which, yeah. And you can do it from your phone, which is like a, a portable phone. So that was really cool. Um, the bathrooms and the furnitures had appliances that were really moldable to their inhabitants. So the sinks in the kids' bathrooms could lift up and push down. Um, you weren't supposed to have to bend over or hunch to use um, – any of the appliances like that. Some of the bathrooms had built-in razors. And I'm pretty sure they said that the vanity had a built-in lab. Hmm. In like the the master bedroom, there was a vanity with like a little built-in lab. Um, and from the house, you could see the view of Sleeping Beauty Castle. So that's pretty cool. Aww. And then like they also had the ovens with microwave technology, yes. which at that time 
technically existed like microwaves existed for about a decade at that point but Mm -hmm. they were huge and they were expensive they were like fifty five thousand dollars so it wasn't it in that time it was a concept that was not something they could have in their house now we have them everywhere Mm -hmm. um and then they also had the ultrasonic dishwasher which used high frequency sound waves to agitate the water but that is not something we have now in homes it's more for like commercial use But yeah, I thought it was interesting the majority of the stuff we have some version of it today, other than really the the cold zones and then just the idea of modular construction in general, that is not a thing. And, you know, the modular construction concept that was used for this house was later used for the Contemporary Resort. Yes. Which oh, my gosh. In the 70s. I didn't know. So when I thought of when I when they were talking about how they built the house and how easily it was built, which is going to yeah. be so funny when we talk about that point that you want to talk about mm-hmm. later. Um, <laughs> but yes, I was like, oh, my gosh, that sounds just like what they did for the Contemporary. And for our yep. listeners who don't know, the Contemporary, that main building that the monorail goes through, all of the hotel rooms for that were created elsewhere and just slid into the building um so that was kind of what they did with the um Monsanto home of the future was that it came I think they said in like 16 parts 17 parts yes it was built off-site and the eight u-shaped plastic prefabricated units were attached to the center core Mm -hmm. and then all the sides were filled in with glass so And what was supposed to be cool about this home was that if you wanted to expand your home, all you had to do was remove the windows and you could add more to your home. Um, I think I want to dive in right now, Kate, to sharing. And I know it's going to be me talking for just a little bit. I'm going to do it as quickly as I can. But I think it's really important because, again, we don't just talk about Disney history, but we talk about the success of, of public relations projects or partnerships or marketing. And I think it's really important for this one to understand who Monsanto is because I think that's what makes this partnership, at least to me, that's what got me interested because mm-hmm. I was like, how did Disney come together with Monsanto? They're so different. And how did it end up? being successful or not successful how did they get together so I'm going to give as quickly as I can a little backstory so Monsanto was founded in 1901 um, when Walt was born their first product was a chemical it was an artificial sweetener that they sold to Coca-Cola and they were so they were sued because it was poisoning people and it wasn't good for them um in the bad from the start bad from the start honestly (laughs) um in the 1920s they became a world leader in making aspirin and industrial chemicals um I'm gonna pause really quickly so uh, it was really hard to find like a company timeline for Monsanto and the one I found was written by somebody who really 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 hates Monsanto so I tried to bring it back to like a middle ground but some of the things they did were undeniably bad and I kind of wanted to bring that up because I don't want it to seem in any way by us being excited by the Monsanto house of the future and to talk about this partnership with Disney that we are in any way excusing some of the atrocities that they have um been a part of and 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 have orchestrated um in the 1930s they created a hybrid corn seed And then they branched into more chemicals, cleaners, detergents, synthetics, and that's when we start to see plastics. Um, Plastic, as we know, is going to be really, really important to this podcast because the Monsanto House of the Future was made of plastic. And I think it's important to remember that at the time, I think plastic had a really good reputation and for many years would until we were able to see the impact that it had on the environment many years later. Um, But plastic was great at the time because they thought it was a more environmentally friendly option because it was so light. It shipped very easily. You could make it without disturbing natural resources like wood. It was affordable. So plastic really had like, you know, it was seen as a good thing back in in, in this time. Well, and it was, it was um, they called it like a plastic revolution. Yes. Basically, after World War II, they were like, wow, we can make this thing, like yes. do everything we possibly can mm-hmm. with it. And from a marketing perspective and a business perspective, I understand where Monsanto was like, we did the research on this. Yep. We can build a house out of plastic. Mm-hmm. Let's get it in Disneyland and let's sell some plastic, sell some plastic architecture. So exactly. I understand that. So that was in the 1930s is when they started making and, and, and creating plastic synth- synthetics. Then in 1940s, Mm. they researched uranium um, to be used as a part of the Manhattan Project. So for people who don't know, the Manhattan Project was creating the atomic bomb, which was 
awful. Um, and so they also were making sprayable chemicals that ended up being really harmful to food at that time. Um, but I wanted to point out because I think that this is possibly important to how the Disney partnership came to be after they mm-hmm. were the people who helped with the atomic bomb. But in 1945, 85% of Americans said that they agreed with and were for the atomic bomb. The bombs were then dropped three days apart in the August of 1945, and we know that it was awful, like a terrible, terrible mm-hmm. days in history. But people didn't really even begin to, to realize the atrocity it caused until a year later when a magazine wrote a full spread and had pictures of the devastation. And so I don't know, and it was very hard to find, like how long that 85% of Americans who agreed with the atomic bomb, like were still proud of the Manhattan Project and proud of the atomic bomb. It was really hard to find, but I wonder, that was one of the parts that was really important for me to research because I wondered if that was a contributing factor. Um, But then yes, in 1950, They became really closely aligned to Disney, had promised this home. They had um, developed plastic, which again, people at the time, post-World War II, were loving plastic. Um, So I think in the 1950s, that's probably when their reputation was at its best, even though they had just been a part of the atomic bomb. I think another thing is that people probably didn't link them to the atomic bomb at the time. Yeah, probably not. Also, it was post World War II, so people mm-hmm. were probably still riding the high of exactly. the war being over. Exactly. You know? Yes, exactly. Baby boomers and all that. And with their making of plastic, which again, like you said, was super popular post World War II, people could buy it affordably. They could make it do mm-hmm. anything. They were really, I think, their their best reputation was in 1950. And again, the reason that that's so important was to me to look into for the purposes of this podcast was because mm-hmm. how did they find this? How did they get to be with Disney? So really quickly, the 1960s, they partnered with Dow Chemicals to create Agent Orange, um, which many people know was for the Vietnam War. Millions died. Millions were born with birth defects. It was really bad. Mm. People in Vietnam were affected. Our veterans were affected. Again, just really, really bad. In the 1970s, they had... Oh, I'm sorry. I almost skipped this from the 60s, and this is very important. They created Aspartame which is very reminiscent Ooh. of the first product they ever created that they sold to Coca-Cola that was dangerous, Ooh, that was dangerous, but they, you know, sold it anyway. So aspartame they created in the 60s. Then in the 70s, they found a new CEO who had worked in politics for a long time to ensure that they had their hands in politics a little more so they couldn't get in trouble for some of the things they were doing. And in the mm-hmm. 1980s, newly elected president Ronald Reagan apparently one of the first things he was called to do by that CEO they had elected in the 70s was to protect aspartame um the apparently the soda industry was against the use of aspartame because they were nervous they were going to get complaints from their consumers until they found that it was very cheap and very addictive like very addictive Mm. apparently aspartame is like does more than cocaine like it like you can get really addicted to it Apparently. Again, this was like quick research because it was really more for just like the understanding of the company where we want to talk more about Disney. Um, In the 1980s, they started doing Roundup Weed Killer, genetically modified crops that could stand being sprayed with Roundup Weed Killer and RBGH, which is the growth hormone for cows and cattle. Um, They've done a lot of shady things to smaller farms, whatever. This is where we're at. But the most important part is that we see in the 50s, they were for this moment in time, they were kind of only into plastic and plastic had a good reputation I don't think they were connected with the atomic bomb um some people in America again they were riding that high of just ending a world war yeah there were a lot of people who I think and the news is not the same as it was as it is now you know what I mean like I don't there wasn't yeah I I think they really had a good reputation in the 50s which is how they were able to get this partnership with Disney which to me was really important because that's what interested me in this in the first place was how the heck did they partner with Disney in the first place? Well, I just think it's a perfect example of a sign of those specific times. Like yes, you said, right absolutely. after the World War, um, it's 
the situation with the plastic, it very much reminds me of the idea of like cigarettes at the time, like when mm-hmm. grandparents and stuff, they were, oh, yeah. they were telling you it was good for you. Marketing was, you know, whatever, but they didn't know the side or maybe they did, but it didn't come out the side mm-hmm. effects and the, the problems with it. So plastic at the time, they're, they're thinking it's this great product. They're pushing it, pushing it, pushing mm-hmm. it. And so, uh, from what I understand, they just had their plastics portion of the company do Mm -hmm. this as a research project and then once they decided to build this structure they said let's get it built and bring it to Disneyland yeah because they were already working with Disneyland exactly and yeah I don't know if you Mm -hmm. wanted to go into that the the first attraction that they had with Disney which I did not know that this existed and it was an opening day like this was an opening day attraction and I had no idea it existed I I was mind blown and I think this is really 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 cool the well I mean I don't have too much on the Hall of Chemistry other than the fact yeah, that no. they had the Hall of Chemistry from mm-hmm. July of 1955 until September of 1966. But like you, I was very surprised because we all know that um, they talked about how little Tomorrowland had, especially at opening yeah. um, in that area. So to imagine that there was this Hall of Chemistry that I don't remember seeing anything about on the special or anything for Disneyland. Um so that's how I think they got the whole Monsanto House of the Future thing going. They were already sponsoring something in Disneyland. Walt needed more yes. things for people to do. And mm-hmm. the House of the Future was a free attraction yes. at Disneyland. And so was which the is Hall of Chemistry. Reason. Yeah, yes. which was a big reason for foot traffic because people didn't have to pay anything to go do it. <laughs> yes, exactly. And for those of our listeners who might not know, at the time there were ticket books. Um, there were different mm-hmm. tickets that were used to correlate to certain attractions in the park. And so a free attraction meant you didn't need to use any of your tickets, not even the lowest one, the A ticket. You could just experience it. So the Hall of Chemistry was one of them. And then later, a few years later on, when we got the House of the Future, that was free as well. So they had sponsored, yes, the Hall of Chemistry for opening day. At the time, there were two other offerings there. Dutch Boys Paints had a color gallery and Kaiser's had a hall of aluminum fame. Um, And so I think, yeah, I think that's another important thing, a sign of the times is Disneyland did not have the money that they had today. And Tomorrowland was the one that was really, really underdeveloped at the time of opening. Walt was a futurist. I think Tomorrowland probably was like something he really, really loved. And as a futurist and someone who desperately needed money and attractions for Disneyland. Monsanto, this company that right now looks good because they're selling plastic, I mean the material of the future, what mm-hmm. what better to have in your park? They're offering attractions that are free so your guests are going to be happy. They're providing exactly. information and learning about the future. I mean, I think it checked every box it checked all the boxes for me yeah I mean I I didn't know anything about the company Monsanto I had heard the phrase Monsanto house of the future because I just know a little bit about Disney history and I always thought oh this was the original version of this future attraction that they do in Epcot that's very similar and what was weird for me about this attraction is that they didn't change anything about the attraction the entire decade it was there. I assumed like every mm-hmm. year or every few years they were updating the technology and they didn't. It stayed the exact Which same. Which I think was really great because they were able to keep yeah. it a low cost and people were yeah. still interested because remember it was supposed to be, this house was supposed to be for the 80s. Like they picked technology exactly. that was so far ahead of its time or ideas that were so 30 years ahead that they mm-hmm. were able to keep this attraction open for those 10 years and very sustainable you know and but it's funny because the hall of chemistry was open for longer it was open for 11 years Mm -hmm. um and then so monsanto and disney did have other partnerships they had four attractions which my mind was blown so we've already talked about the hall of chemistry in tomorrowland and then we had the house of the future um after the dutch boys paints color gallery and the kaiser hall of aluminum um were kind of winding down um in March of 1965, Fashion and Fabrics Through the Ages, it was an exhibit that Monsanto sponsored and it went into where the Aluminum Hall of Fame was and again as we talked about in the house even some of the fabric had plastic in it so again there was this tie to plastic and they had um gowns from people like mary todd lincoln was the only person i could find like specifically named but they had important pieces of fabric and gowns um and then in september of 1966 both the 
Monsanto Hall of Chemistry and the Fashions and Fabrics Through the Ages exhibits were closed and they were replaced by what in August of 1967, Kate? Adventure Through Inner Space. Which Kate apparently knew about, but I sure as heck did not. I mean... I don't know as much about Disneyland as I do about Walt Disney World, but I knew that it was um, a big attraction at yeah. that time. I'm, from what I understand, it was an Omnimover type attraction. And um, I, weren't they supposed to be like brought down with a microscope, like a microscopic I honestly, size so and, I did so much research today, yeah. guys. I, I would love to learn more about the adventure through inner space. Oh, we will. We're going to have to do something about it And we will. I, I mean, like, I did not know Monsanto. Like, this is blowing my mind, and I hope our listeners feel the same way because the fact that they had one partnership, but also, like, basically two decades, three decades long because adventure through inner space wasn't replaced until – January of 1978 and their first partnership their first attraction was in July of 1955 that's a long time well and that for me under like understanding how Walt Disney in general and Disney parks like to figure out a new way for existing sponsors to work their way into the parks I was like was Monsanto the first and the Monsanto house the first and last thing they did Mm -hmm. and that's how I ended up finding out about the hall of chemistry and the fact that they did the um, adventure through inner space because I've heard of adventure through inner space. Um, yeah, they simulated humans shrinking to the That's size so of cool. an atom. You know, whatever. We'll go back and do an yeah, episode absolutely. on that. I'm sure. I, but my point I would is, love to watch like all the videos on this because there were really cool videos yeah. even on the House of the Future. Yeah. So I guess my point is, people are probably more likely to remember even Adventure Through Inner Space mm-hmm. um, because it was around for so long. Absolutely. Um, and that was also a Monsanto attraction. So that's interesting to me because I had never realized that that one was sponsored by them. But I'm yeah. also not from the West Coast. Yeah. That wasn't my main park. So um, we may have Disneyland listeners like, duh, but <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> I I think that it was just like crazy that they partnered like, yeah, just so, so, so insane to me. Well, before I'm, I'm assuming we're going to be talking about the demolition and stuff soon, but I just for people who or maybe Walt Disney World listeners or have never looked this up, I figured we would just, like, lay out the floor plan of the house just so they could understand, like, what was in it. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So this house, um, it stood eight feet off the ground. Um, It had a center base and then four wings off of it and kind of like a cross shape. And like Josie said earlier, the whole um, exciting part about this type of house was that you could just take the windows out and add more of these modules if you wanted to customize how your home looked. You know, that was the idea behind the modular construction. So um, this house in the center, it had a kitchen and two bathrooms, like a children's bathroom and then a parent's bathroom, but it was all in the main center. And then underneath the center was actually where the utility and everything Mm -hmm. were stored so it that was one cool thing about it is they were saving that space um, of the house by putting it underneath and then um, you had one wing was the living room one wing was the parents room one wing was um, a girl's room and a boy's room separated in the middle and then um, the last wing was a family room and then off of the family room there were two staircases to get in there I guess an entrance and an exit Mm -hmm. staircase um, to get in and out of the house but I thought that would just be good for people to picture. Did you see what the little like the glass? Like it was, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was made out of plastic, but did you see like mm-hmm. kind of across from it, there was like an outdoor living space and it was like a rainbow glass, like geo dome looking oh, thing. Oh, yeah. I know. And, and like whenever, like you said, whenever I first looked at the house, I wouldn't have even thought it was made out of plastic no. in my mind. And Mm-mm. then when I started researching it, it was like the entire thing's made out of plastic. Everything in it One is One of my plastic. first notes, cushions, because again, I was everything. really glad the way that I yeah. started was by watching <laughs> what must have been a promotional video. And it was so funny. Mm-hmm. It's so 50s. But they're like, yes, I would love to live in this house. A dream. Um, and <laughs> Plastic plates and literally, cups Literally, I was like, as they were talking I was like what literally I wrote in my notes like why so much plastic lol and then like a line under that I was like why so much plastic WTF and then I realized that was the point um yeah but the way they started talking about it before you knew that like the whole house house was made of plastic I was just like oh I guess they just think plastic cups are cool because and futuristic because plastic was new but then I realized like no this was a plastic freaking house and apparently 
when I was reading the timeline of Monsanto, again, this was from a, a source where the person definitely like really hated the company. But yeah. apparently the house was supposed to be like biodegradable. Oh, no. <laughs> Which to me doesn't make sense because then like how yeah, would it withstand hurricanes and rain? Yeah. But apparently they, they had said visitors. it was supposed to be like some kind of biodegradable plastic. Once it, I don't know. Um, but I would love to know if that's true. I honestly could not find any other research supporting or confirming or denying that. Um, but I think that that brings the down. And for me, it was like not knowing who Monsanto was other than you were like oh they whatever and I was like okay well I'm gonna learn about Monsanto maybe they made different things at different points Mm -hmm. so I'm I'm watching a video about it and then the video I watched they were like they only cared about one thing plastic and I was like why plastic and so I'm like researching the company on the side and I'm like okay it makes sense Mm -hmm. where GE would care about their technology being everywhere they just cared about showing how many creative ways you could use plastic to build these new futuristic yeah. homes and, and hopefully and was, have people want a plastic couch or exactly plastic exactly and they yeah. use like plastic mm-hmm. based like foam in the in the um, yeah. furniture but I think yes. what's genius about this like a genius genius marketing uh, public relations oh, yeah. community building like People felt like this house was a dream. This house made of plastic was a freaking dream to them. Like this was a standard to live up to. This standard of luxury and innovation. And they married plastic with those concepts. Exactly. It was, in my opinion, it was a great way to spin the idea of plastic as being something to aspire to have. Yes. And we do not think of plastic home. that way now. You know and what I mean? Like, not, not even close. Like, we think of plastic as well, like everybody can have it. It's, you know, like. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that was what was so funny because I saw part of promotional videos and some of the videos I watched, and they were talking about, you know, you couldn't imagine in your home having 20 million visitors walk through this home and look how immaculate it looks <laughs> because it's made of durable, lightweight plastic. And I'm like, it's so, it's just so interesting mm-hmm. how things were, yeah. you know, in the 50s. It's just interesting. So, um, so yeah, I, uh, my, my background was like, okay, sponsorship equals how can they bring their product in as much as possible? And I was like, what was their product? And then it was right in front of us plastic it was crazy so plastic 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 um and so i think i think that might bring us kind of towards um demolition and the future and the future of of what happened after this house of the future so um the in my opinion the funniest thing about this whole demolition thing is that they were not expecting it to be such a struggle to get this thing taken down. They closed it. They had their new attraction, Adventure Through Inner Space, and they were like, oh, we're just going to take this apart. No biggie. Um, They tried to use a wrecking ball. Um, The ball bounced off the structure. Um, (laughs) They tried chainsaws, torches, jackhammers. None of that would work. Um, They eventually had to just break it off little by little. And... um, Considering the amount of trouble they had taking off the wings and everything like that, it's not a surprise that the reinforced concrete base, they just said, we're going to paint it green, goodbye green, and just work around it. And that's why it's still in Pixie Hollow, because they couldn't get it out. It was it was just too much. It's painted green, and they hollowed it out, and I guess it's kind of like a glorified planter now, but it's it's still there in Which Pixie Hollow. I would Hollow, love but to see that. Like, that is so cool. That's really, but, really cool to me, because I'm lame. Oh, yeah, no. It's Well, this is exactly what I was talking about with rides. Like, knowing in my head that there's still this part of a 1957 attraction just sitting there in plain in hidden plain sight that no one knows about like that kind of stuff i love that so um initially the area was called alpine gardens because it was near the matterhorn Mm -hmm. um and then in 1996 it eventually became triton's garden and there was like an aerial meet and greet over there and then in 2008 that's when it became pixie hollow and i checked the disneyland app it still says pixie hollow right now on the map it so. does and apparently you can meet tinkerbell there i also saw somebody yes. say someone say that it was ariel's grotto at one point and that like kind of threw me like the triton's garden and ariel's grotto they, they may have done that because we had one in magic kingdom but yeah, i mean we still I, do 
Yeah, we still. Right? Well, that's yeah. where she meets now. That's what's called. Okay, I yeah, just want to make sure. I'm thinking about the old version where no like twenty thousand leagues was like behind yes, it, and I no one knew, that. Yeah, and it was yeah, just yeah. sitting there abandoned. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the version I was thinking about. But um, but yeah, so I think it's crazy that this, like you said earlier, this super simple to put together house was such a big struggle to get taken apart, yeah, and the fact absolutely. that the base of it is still sitting there to this day. Crazy. But um, apparently um, there's there were a lot of little pl- ways that you could still see like aspects of the Monsanto House of the Future, <gasps> like in like the designs of things um, in different parts of like Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Like um, there was this thing called Club Buzz. Um, I think it's now just called Tomorrowland Terrace um, oh, as yeah, of 2006. Yeah, yeah. But they had like a purple Monsanto House of the Future figure that was in there and then their version of Innoventions that was in the old Carousel of Progress that turned into America Sings like they had a little model of it there they had the Monsanto House of the Future painted into the murals that were on it. Well did you just see you know the Kingdom of Cute collection they had a little a figurine of the Monsanto House of the Future and I want it if anybody has one I have seen them so many times honestly at Cast Connection and I'm like I can't buy. Really? Well because they're in a box so if anybody yeah. knows me I am like the blind bag like I I will feel yeah, that blind bag true. and tell you what's inside I am pretty good at it um especially with like wishables or when they did the plastic little zoom zooms but when it's a bag inside of a box like you can't oh, you yeah. cannot feel that um yeah. And so I'm like, I'm not going to buy a bunch of them just to get the Monsanto House of the Future. So if there's anybody out there who has the Monsanto House, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm going to look at it on eBay while you talk about. Yeah. I might buy it right now as we're talking because <laughs> why have I not thought of that? Another way that we can technically see the Monsanto House of the Future is in Disney's Hollywood Studios at <gasps> what? 50s primetime. What? If you watch the TVs. Um, one of the many various clips that are on the TVs at your table, in addition to the Mouseketeers, um, you know, Mickey Mouse Club, was um, clips of the Monsanto House of the Future. So next time you're at 50s, watch the whole loop and you will see that house just hanging out in the in the footage and I also just went down another rabbit hole because I typed in just Monsanto house of the future on eBay instead of like kingdom of cute and there's a brochure there's a um postcard in mint condition um another postcard there's a house of the future Disney documentary DVD which sounds sketchy don't want that Um, lots of postcards. Lo- oh, this one is 1962 Disneyland Monsanto House of the Future and Creative Chemistry Works for You. Mm. Mm. Oh, well, these are um, really cool postcards. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. When I first thought about the Monsanto House of the Future, my mind went to, um, an attraction that used to be an Epcot in Innoventions. Yes. Um, I never knew what it was called, but we always did it. Apparently, it was called the House of Interventions, and then eventually it was called the Vision House when they kind of, like, rebranded it. See, I saw something later. that said the Interventions Dream Home. So, we're going to talk about that. Okay. Because I looked I'm it ready. up, and I was like, this has got to be it. But it wasn't. It was, the Dream Home was on the West Coast in Anaheim in their Interventions. So, oh, yeah. Okay, so, okay, okay. And that's what threw me off because I was like, oh, yeah, Interventions Dream Home. That would make sense. It was in Interventions. But yes. um, anyway, so let's see. We're going to – we'll start We'll start at the beginning. So technically the first, like, new version of this kind of idea of, like, future home preview type thing was the RCA Home of Future Living that was in Magic Kingdom Space Mountain post-show exit area when you would ride like on your way out of Space Mountain in 1975 when the attraction opened they had um, Radio Corporation of America they had their own version of that with I guess futuristic products and things like that for people to pass on their way out of Space Mountain Mm -hmm. that was there until like 1993 now I never went to Disney until 96 and I don't remember riding Space Mountain until probably 2000 but they have a similar version of like robotic type stuff like that now so I think that's interesting that 
there used to be an original version of that way back when. Um, next was the Innovention's Dream Home um, that was in Anaheim. That was in 2008, and that was sponsored by HP. And um, according to an article I read in 2008, it was basically just one big ad for HP, which makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the whole point of sponsorships. But um, in a, I couldn't find out when the Dream Home version in Anaheim closed, but Innovention's itself um, over there closed in 2015. And that's where, um, they have a Star Wars launch bay over there now for Disneyland visitor people. Um, it used to be Carousel of Progress initially, then it became America Sings, and then I guess it was Innoventions from there. Yeah. So then we get over to Epcot. Is anything there the now? Is anything there now? It's still Star Wars launch bay, so you can, like, go in and I honestly haven't been there in so long. No, no, yeah, I mean... I, I didn't go inside when I did, which if I would have, it would have just been to, to be look at and be like, yes. this is where America Sings used to be. Yes. And this is where Carousel of Progress used to be. Mm-hmm. That's exactly <laughs> so, what I want to go. I also think yeah. like I'm also so just while we're talking about that area of the park, mm-hmm. their people mover like in Disneyland, uh, the story yeah. behind that. And like, it's so wild. I know. So crazy. OK, go on. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm coming back so, to people No, mover. it's OK. So around the same time of, you know, in 2007, Epcot got something called the House of Innoventions. Mm-hmm. Similar concept. Um, I, I never got to experience the one in Anaheim, obviously. But the one in Epcot, it's like you walked into Innoventions West, I believe, and you walk past this full model of a house. And you go up to the front door. They had a narrator that walked you through it. And it started from the front door showing off whatever the newest technology was and that's why the concept of the Monsanto house not changing at all during its entire run was so odd to me because um, the house of interventions and eventually vision house, I always understood that every year or two they were switching out the technology with what was mm. whatever was new. So like the newest, but was that system, supposed to be newest... what was new right now or something deeper into the future? So this was, yeah, basically. So I guess it's a little bit of both. Basically it's like if you're, super rich mm-hmm. or eventually if you're super like green these are things that you can buy so the house yeah. of interventions was more about like this is the most high-tech doorbell doorknob out there you could have whatever whatever for every person in your home yeah this is the most high-tech toilet this most so it was stuff that could be purchased by i'm assuming whoever sponsored the attraction at the time um but it wasn't likely that somebody would have all these things in their home. Like someone may say, I really like that toilet and then go home and buy that one item or the TV mm-hmm. that was there. Which I think furniture. is where it's different from the Monsanto house That's of the future true. because those yeah. things did not exist. It like was, there was nothing right. that existed. I mean, there were a couple things I'm sure that existed like beds point. or whatever. But yeah, that's how I think they got away with not having to update it. And I think that's the difference between Tomorrowland and Epcot. Because a lot yeah. of times there's like this that's crossover true. of how they're like – futuristic oriented but Tomorrowland is more about like what can happen in the future and how fun and um imaginative and how fun and imaginative can it be where Epcot is more about like here's what's here now you know what I mean like the newest the most innovative the most cutting edge where again Tomorrowland and and Tomorrowland still always has that like it's the future but especially the one in Disneyland was like designed in the 50s. You know what I mean? So it's like this but retro see, futuristic vibe. I know there's a lot of Tomorrowland haters out there. But for yeah. me, like Tomorrowland, I've always been like, this is a time frame that I would never be able to visit in my mind. So if it has a if it has a vintagey look to it, in my mind, I'm still like, we don't have rocket ships that we, you know, whatever. Like, I, I just, I've always bought into it. I've never been like, this isn't future. I agree. Enough. I love um, Tomorrowland. Yeah, and I think that it I love fits, it. I think it fits with the parks because, it, yeah. you know, other lands of the parks are lands of like yesterday. Exactly. And I love, I don't exactly. know, I love the vintage vibe because I feel like we don't get excited about the future the way people used to you know like in the 50s I feel like people were really like the future whereas like I don't really think about the future that much and I think it's because we have so much much technology and we're in this period of time where technology is coming out so quickly and always doing something new and we can get our hands on it very quickly and that it's like okay the future is kind of like happening does that make sense I don't know that might sound really stupid and that's and that's why I feel like it's been smart 
in the little changes they've made design-wise in Magic Kingdom and other places to where they make it look of more of like a retro futuristic look versus trying to be modern futuristic because they know they can never keep that up they're gonna always have to change it so if we have the mindset that it's oh an 80s look or a 50s look I can buy into that because we're also in a medieval time you know version of um fantasy land they have frontier land adventure land with pirates and yeah liberty square hello yeah new orleans square i I think it fits i don't know why people hate on tomorrowland and are like oh they didn't think the concept i I think it still fits perfectly i love it i love i don't know there's something about like retro futuristic it's like its own thing I, i like it so what i thought was interesting about Epcot's most recent version of the House of Innovations, which Innovations was called um, the Vision House, and that mm-hmm. came out in 2012. What I thought was so interesting about this is that it's, you know, I, I feel like it's a complete full circle from what Monsanto House was, mm-hmm. where it was all plastic, blah, blah, blah. This house was um, built by Green Builders Media. So obviously everything Aww. was as sustainable as possible. But what a I nice remember... change. Like what a nice that's what flip, I'm right? No, like... That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I love I'm that. saying it just goes to show from, you know, 1957 to 2012 what the push of, mm-hmm. you know, what's best what's important. is. Yeah. Um, so Epcot partnered with Green Builders Media to build that house. Um it closed on the very same day. Um, it opened on April 22nd, Earth Day, um, 2012, and it closed on April 22nd, 2015. So it was only open three years. Mm-hmm. But I remember um, experiencing this one before it closed. I probably experienced it in 2014, 2015. But it was really cool because... In the past, it was always about technology when you visited the House of Interventions. This time, it was more about sustainability, what's green, what's better for the environment, what's better yeah. for your home, which I thought was really cool and very Epcot of it. Yeah, um, absolutely fits way better with Down to the car Epcot. and the garage and how they stored things and um, all of the furniture was all sustainable, you know, like recyclable made and stuff. So, um so that's the full circle on that. The only other thing I would say is that um, there's technically still some like Easter eggs of the House of the Future in different programming and stuff. Most recently in the Wonderful World of Mickey Mouse, the episode House of the Future, they actually have the Monsanto House of the Future in that short, um, which I thought was really cute and that fun. That is so cute. I want to watch and it. And then ap- apparently in the movie Buzz Lightyear um, of Star Command, which I had on VHS, but I cannot find online. I don't think it's on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> no, I don't um, think so. Apparently, his house was in, in that movie was inspired by the Monsanto House of the Future. I wish I could reference that it definitely was, but for now, I just have to assume that that's the case. As we're sitting here, I also thought of one more Disney thing Yeah. that reminds me of this. And I didn't think about it in my initial research, but as we were sitting here talking, there was one more thing that I was like, I wonder if they were partially inspired. And I wonder if you can guess what it is. Uh, it's like um like like a like a movie. A movie. Oh, Smart House? Yes. Oh my gosh. Don't yeah, you think I like they didn't that? look the same, but it's kind of the same no. same concept. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Like the same concept of like having this, this house that could do this everything house that and could do everything and hopefully everybody would be able to have those concepts in their home sometime in the future you know that kind of thing yeah I wouldn't be surprised if if that inspired it I mean seeing it pop up again in these other situations like mm-hmm. cartoons and stuff it's it goes to show that it's still in the minds to some extent because wonderful world of mickey mouse is still pretty new and has um, there always maybe been this sense of like a dream house? Like it's kind of like what came first, the oh chicken yeah. or the egg maybe? Exactly. And that's the thing that you gave me the realization of with the Monsanto house is that it was supposed to be 30 years in advance. Yeah. I forget about that mm-hmm. because it only existed well, 10 years. And that was really important to me too because I was like, how did they keep it the same? You know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. it is important to remember. And that was my mindset. And I think it's yeah. cool that it, it fit. Like in Disneyland and Tomorrowland, it needed to be about the future. And remember, that was in the 50s. So that's when not only are yeah. we like, oh, we like the concept because it's fun to look back on, but no, they were in it, you know? So it felt probably yeah. very, very real and really cool to them. Um, yeah. Whereas at Epcot, it's more about like, okay, what is happening? What is available? Not like what are we imagining might be available. 
Well, and, and I mean, it seemed like a smart fit in Epcot. Interventions was all about having these sponsorships of yeah. where they could show off their products and a house made sense. How could they get people to want to buy one of the products in the house? Yeah. But yeah. And I think I, that leads us, this is why I did all this yeah. research on Monsanto, is did this work? Did this public relations strategy, did this marketing strategy, did this partnership work? And I say yes. I think I it worked for Disney. They got um, to have attractions when they desperately needed them that really, really fit the ticket for what they were looking for in um, Tomorrowland that were cost effective. 20 million visitors got to go. That's a lot of mm-hmm. people who were who were interested over 10 years. Um, and yeah. then I think for Monsanto really truly honestly the only time that their company has had almost a positive viewpoint again the most what what many have people have called the most evil corporation um in American history the best the best they were the best people loved them was in 1950 when they had this exhibit in Disneyland and were making plastic this this thing that people thought was wonderful um and I think on their end the partnership with Disney was so smart because what else is such a piece of Americana like it's after World War II this new thing has just opened up baby boomers want to go like a crazy partnership that makes you think like how did they think of that but amazing that they did because it it really fits so I would call this partnership a win even though looking back I can't believe that Disney and Monsanto were partners I would call it a win but again I I chalk it up to uh just my background of business stuff I chalk it up to you have to think about it at that point in time like you said Mm -hmm. Walt was looking for sponsors. This was a sponsor, Mm -hmm. you know? And at the time, they... They had an okay reputation at that moment in time. So. At that moment in time. Yeah, at that moment. And again, I moment. think they make things that's like it's very difficult to like they made it when they first started a chemical that was bad and coke. Like, I mean, I guess if you're a company like Disney that's that big, you're going to do your research. But still, the public persona of them, no, I don't think yeah. really got bad until after the 50s. Exactly. And you have to think people just literally had a newspaper or a radio Mm -hmm. and that was it. And they weren't going to be able to put every single random thing that happened in in the newspaper. So between World War II and other things that did you know other things there was no connection the world coming up yeah so yeah this no. this was a win this week we loved Yay. loved learning I think this episode is for me pretty close to the McDonald's one I loved working on this I, episode I hope you all love it as much as yeah. I do I really I will have to say I really enjoyed it and I was a little nervous at first mm-hmm. because this is again a moment that we've never experienced yeah but it was really really cool and I, I was really excited about it I was really excited so. too so with that thank you so much for listening if you listen to this episode it makes us so happy it truly truly means the world to us this is a passion project for Kate and I that we have yes. dreamed of for so long and I cannot tell you how much fun we have you know facetiming and talking and researching every week it is it is so much fun for us and if you want to follow along with that fun and you want to know what episodes we're coming out with and keep up with us you can find us on carousel project podcast on instagram yes and And i guess i guess that's it that's it till next week bye bye a look at the future looks good hey 